We talked about this briefly before, but how do you pronounce the name of the company? Unplug. As if it were a G. Yeah. We haven't formally made a decision about this, but that's how I say it. <laughs> okay. I figure we'll get enough momentum out there of people reading and seeing about it. You know, yeah. well, well, although now they're going to know it's unplugged because they're going to listen to your podcast. Right, right. It's going to be out there. The, the millions and trillions of people. <laughs> um, I've got it. I Ooh. used it last night. I'm going to reference it. It made me read as opposed to get stuck on a YouTube. Did it make you read or did it help you make a decision to read? Oh, I love it. I love, I'm glad Kurt is recording this because that's exactly the point. <laughs> Welcome to GeekWire from GeekWire.com in Seattle. I'm Todd Bishop. We are coming to you from Seattle where we get to report each day on what's happening around us in tech, science, and innovation. What happens here matters everywhere. And every week on this show, we talk about some of the most interesting stories we've been covering and in this case, some of the most interesting technology we've been using, I'm pleased to be joined today by Caroline Cadwell, CEO of Unplug. That's a startup that just recently graduated from the Techstars Seattle Accelerator Program. It makes an app and a keychain tag that help people be more conscious about how they use their smartphones and especially the addictive social media apps on their phones. Caroline, it's great to see you and great to have you on the show. Thanks so much for having me. Great to see you as well, Todd. You first reached out to me months ago. It was back in January after the story broke about Seattle Public Schools suing a bunch of social media giants. And you said, I've got an app that can help with that in terms of the mental health issues that this lawsuit raised. Can you tell us the story of Unplug? And by the way, I should tell people who are right now searching on their smartphones for this company. It's U-N-P-L-U-Q. But Caroline, can you tell us the story behind this company? Yeah. So Unplug started because we suffered from a problem that most people can relate to. So I, it's myself and my two co-founders, Tim and Yorn. And Tim and Yorn actually started this in university as a project because they had trouble focusing. Well, one had trouble focusing and one had trouble sleeping. How many of us have ever gone through a series of short videos before trying to go to bed and then are too stimulated and don't fall asleep as well as we wished we had. So it started from there. And then I joined the company a little later on after they had ideated and played around and started working on a solution for Unplug. And I came on board and really related to it because I'd gone through a burnout. And for me, it was about separating much like many people after the pandemic. It was about separating my work and my downtime and giving myself the chance to have some downtime. This has been an interesting experience for me because you loaned me an unplug tag and I've been using it with the app. And I have to say, and I can talk about this a little bit later, but it has changed my understanding of the impact that certain apps were having on my life. That's amazing. I think the thing that's struck me most is it's almost like you have to admit that you're powerless to them. That was the insight that I got when I realized that I was scrolling YouTube shorts for an hour and a half and looking up and suddenly the, the time was gone. And I knew it was an issue, but I didn't really understand just how much of an issue it was until I stopped using it with the help of your app. How much awareness is there from your perspective of this problem in society right now? First of all, I'm really glad to hear that it has helped you just be aware of your own 
really the benefit that you can have from cutting back, I think is the bigger thing. And secondly, in terms of awareness, you know, screen time is a household phrase. People, most people know it's not great. They don't feel great when they spend a lot of extra time on their phones. But frankly, I'm, we're not anti-technology. Like we love our phones too. I love my phone. It's very useful to me, but I could definitely use, you know, some help to overcome what has been engineered against the very biology of being human, because it's an unreasonable task to be able to resist the temptation that's really, you know, forcing these spikes in dopamine that is what keeps us coming back in our eyeballs on screens. We're in the attention economy. So of course, everything that is a digital product is trying to keep our attention because that is how they make money. And and that's fine. Companies need to make money. But we need tools to help us preserve what it is about being human, our wellness. There's a point where automating everything doesn't really bring us that much more benefit and can and can cause the kind of fractures in, in wellness that we see, which is exactly why those school districts are suing big tech is because those social media apps, and it goes beyond social to you know games and for older people, dating apps as well can be very distracting. But it goes back to why those school districts and the Seattle School District and now several others have followed, you know, why why they're doing that. Because they, they now see an uptick in mental health services that they need to provide for students and for children. In terms of seeing it out in the world, it's really topical. I I, I think it'd be hard to go a day without seeing some kind of conversation publicly around screen time and the detrimental effects that it has on us as humans, as children, as developing kids. Unplug works on this concept of adding intentional friction. Can you give me a sense for how you and the team came to this approach, um, what it involves, and how the app works? So there's there's a lot of things out there that you can do to reduce screen time, and there is a pretty clear reason why they don't work that well for for a lot of people. They do work for some people, which is great, but we've found that a lot of people see faster and better success with Unplug. And it's because we're tapping into a psychological theory called rational override theory. And this has to do with introducing friction in order to support a habit change. And when we say friction, I know a lot of your listeners are in tech and so they'll understand the word friction. But just in case, we're talking about adding a bit of resistance, making things a little bit harder, making them the right amount of hard. So you have to think twice. It gives you a moment of pause. And as I see it, a moment to have a chance of being successful and making the decision that you really wanted to make for yourself. Instead of going into that automatic habit that we all have when you're at lunch with one friend and they step away to the bathroom and your hand immediately picks up your phone. So it helps you to break that kind of habit so that you have an opportunity instead to see something amazing in front of you or see a friend that you haven't seen in 10 years walk past or hear what your child did in school that day and really listen. So the way that we actually introduce this idea of rational override theory, the way we take this scientific theory and and put it into practice is by separating that automatic behavior of picking up your phone from being able to access the thing that your brain is trying to get you to go do, which is an automatic habit that you've learned, right? 10 years ago, the first thing we did in the morning was not look at our phones, but it is now for most people. And so that's become very automatic. The way Unplug works is that you install our app and you select which apps. Yes, it's an app that blocks apps. You're going to select which apps (laughs) you want to block and you then set a schedule to that. 
So you can choose when you want them blocked. So for a lot of people that looks like blocking social media and games and Reddit and Twitter and things like that during the workday so that they can have an efficient workday. And maybe, you know, if they're remote, maybe even end a little early because they got everything done that they wanted to on time. And for other people that is about separating, like me, separating work from my downtime and being able to give my brain a real break so that I can do my best work when I'm back at it the next day. So I block Slack and LinkedIn at night and I have them keep blocking until I start my work day the next day. Ooh, I'm not, I've not been doing that. I kind of like that idea. Keep going. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You should try it. Yeah. I, I, I really, uh, one of the features that we'd love to add over the next few months is some pre-made schedules that can help you get started faster with ideas like this that you might relate to. So I'm glad to hear that you resonate with that one. Another one might be on the weekend, you don't want any app that isn't critical accessible at all because you want to be social on the weekend or you want to spend time with your family or you want to do physical activities. And so you also have the ability to whitelist contacts and things like that in case of emergencies. And the thing is you're not blocked out completely. And that's really the key is that you have that friction there. So you can still access the apps that you've blocked, but you have to go through a series of steps. And that is what makes you in charge of your screen time, but have the opportunity to make a good decision about reducing it and actually succeed at it. Um, And that is really the difference is that if you have to get up and go get your unplugged tag, which is a little NFC key fob, I'm sure you'll describe it better for me because you've been, you're holding one right now. And um, I actually am not, you have to think twice. So if you're on, if you're on the, on the sofa and you're watching TV and a commercial comes on or something uncomfortable is happening, you see a lot of people pick up their phones and start looking at something else. And if you have to get up and go get your keys from your door, from your bag, from, you know, wherever you put it, it makes you think twice about whether or not you actually wanted to pick up your phone or if it's an automatic behavior. We are talking with Caroline Cadwell. She is the co-founder and CEO of Unplug, which is a recent graduate of the Techstar Seattle Accelerator Program. Caroline, let's take a quick break. And then when we come back, I want to talk a little bit more about my experience and how I've been using Unplug to help myself in my own uh, elements of distraction. We'll be right back. You're listening to GeekWire. Technology moves fast. I need to move faster. WGU's competency-based education puts me in control of how fast I move through my IT degree program. I can accelerate my program by applying what I already know to my courses and focusing on the things I need to learn. Earn a respected accredited degree that propels your career in the IT field. Learn more at wgu.edu backslash IT certs included. Welcome back to GeekWire. I'm Todd Bishop. We're talking this week with Caroline Cadwell, the CEO of Unplug, a recent graduate of the Techstars Seattle Accelerator Program. They make an app and a keychain tag that helps people be more conscious about how they use smartphones and especially social media apps on those phones. There is an Android app that's already out there. Coming soon, there will be an iPhone app as well. As I mentioned, Caroline, I've been using this. You were kind enough to loan me a key fob, an unplug tag. It's an NFC tag, and I've got it here on my keychain, which I have handy, and it's a yellow tag with the, the unplug logo. And... To your point, my big thing has been, I would find myself, my daughter makes fun of me for calling them YouTube shorts. She calls them TikToks in the generic, no matter where they are. But anyway, (laughs) these short videos. And for me, the YouTube algorithm is wicked. 
because I've been using YouTube for years and years to watch long-form videos logged in in my personal account. It knows me, I think, better than I know myself sometimes in ways that are positive and frankly, not very, not very positive. <laughs> and it knows how to suck me in and keep me there. And the short form just holds me. And I would get into situations, I think I mentioned earlier, where an hour and a half later, I'd wonder what I'd been doing with my life. And just last night, I was in one of those situations, I took my smartphone into my bedroom and I was, you know, in my mind, I'm just going to listen to a podcast while I drift off to sleep. And then I was like, oh, wait a second. I wanted to watch that guitar video. And so then I went on to the, to YouTube on my phone and there it was. I had set a schedule called sleep plus family in unplug. And it stopped me from getting into YouTube. There was a barrier there. And to unlock it, I would have had to have stood up, gone out into the living room, gotten my keys. And so just that amount of effort, physical effort blocked me in that case. But to your point, even if it was across the room, I think that psychological friction would have stopped it. And as I was saying earlier, the thing that shocked me about it is that I need this. I mean, I'm a human. I make executive decisions, both literal and figurative. And I feel like I should be in more control of my life. And I guess I'm just astonished. I mean, I've read the stories. I've read the studies. I guess I've just been astonished at, at how powerless I am to these apps. So that's been my experience based on what I've been able to, to try. Thank you so much for giving it a chance and being curious you have a little bit of a different story entering to using it than I'd say our, our typical customer, but that's great because we'd love to help more people. And if you help people who have similar life to you, maybe that work and have a kid, which is a lot of people, maybe we can help them get a benefit out of it too. I, I would be curious, Todd, what have you filled your time with that you've recovered? <laughs> I don't know if this is a victory or simply a shifting of <laughs> my time, but I have been reading. I've been reading on a Kindle tablet and a remarkable tablet. I mean, I'm the quintessential tech nerd here. And a lot of times during the day, the way that I route my distraction is using plugins in my browser where if I encounter a story that I don't just want to skim and that I don't want to allow to distract me from work for the 15 minutes that it would require to really focus on it. I just hit a button and it sends it to one of my tablets, either the Kindle or the Remarkable. And then at night, I'll often read those stories in bed. I love the Wall Street Journal PDF. I download that to the Kindle as well. And frankly, just books, you know, Great. Uh, books on the Kindle. And that kind of reading to me seems not to trigger whatever goes on in my brain when I'm watching videos. And I, I realize you're not a psychologist, but I mean, am I on the right track? That's so interesting. There have been a number of studies done around the idea of executive attention, which you brought up as well. You, you know, you make executive decisions. That's what makes us distinct from, you know, other mammals is this ability to focus on a singular task for 30 minutes or more, right? That That is what executive attention is. And one of the things that is most effective in restoring and exercising executive attention is reading a book. Hmm. So even though we have this deterioration of our executive attention by short form content, like 10 second videos, 
which there's a lot of information showing that that does kind of wear away our ability to focus on a singular task and be distracted. You can start recovering that executive attention by reading a book. And this is something I actually have to give credit. I learned this from a woman named, I'm going to mess up her name. Her name is Anastasia. And she is from a company called Consciously Digital, which is based in the UK. And they do coaching and they do awareness for companies around digital distraction. They don't sell any product. It's totally a coaching. But she used to do some public talks. And I've gone to some of them years ago. And she talked about how to restore your executive attention, you can read just even a page of a book. Start with a page of a book a day. About two weeks ago, a friend of mine, a former colleague at the newspaper in Seattle, recommended a book that he knew that I would love. It was called Bad City, Peril and Power in the City of Angels, about how this Los Angeles Times reporter uh, uncovered a scandal at the USC Medical School. So I had not read a book in a weekend, probably since I was in college. And that's what I did. And granted, I think it was a confluence of events. I think that book was one that I was just inclined to tear through. But also, I was not watching YouTube because I've got my weekend schedule set. And granted, the, the intention of that was to spend more time with family. But on that weekend, at least it was to spend more time with a book. So I felt like my blood pressure went down. I just, it just, it's just amazing to me how one small thing can, can do it. Now you've got this app and I know that to use the key tag, you need the premium version. There is a free version of unplug, which you will save time with. So on average, our free version users who can only have one schedule and block two apps they save 35 minutes a day. So it's enough to prepare a healthy meal or do homework with your with your kids or work out. Our favorite excuse for not working out, I just didn't have time. <laughs> so so it, it will do that. Our premium version, which there's also a free trial for, you can have as many schedules as you like and block as many apps as you'd like. And we have more what we call barriers, app barriers. And so those app barriers, that's how you have to take steps to override them in order to open you're blocked out. So you're not totally blocked out. As I mentioned earlier, you can access them, but you have to make a conscious choice about it. And with the premium version, you can do things like uh, on our Android app, you can take a walk in order to open your kryptonite. You can scan a QR code and you can use the unplug tag, which is our most effective barrier. So people, people who are on the premium version are saving about an hour, about 50, 54 minutes a day. And they're recovering that time to use in other ways. And I saw you smiling as you described reading your book. So I, I assume it, it's been a good thing. And then for the tag users, they save 78 minutes a day on average. And if your screen time is particularly high when you start, you will save much more than that. And particularly high, we should maybe talk about norms here, particularly high screen time would be right now kind of over five and a half hours a day. On a phone. On a phone. It's pretty common. Now, see, <laughs> it's you, quite common. I, I can see that. And the problem is that many of us are already spending more time than that on big screens. And so you're basically shifting it yeah. to a small screen. And now here's where I feel a little bit guilty because I'm shifting my reading to a screen as well, although it is at least front lit on the Kindle and it's long form and it doesn't have all the distractions. So I guess I'll justify that away. But here you are 
spending that much more time on a phone. And I can see it because you're sitting on your couch doing it for the most part. Or while you eat. Oh, yeah, that's true. What I like is a few times you've said the barriers have you take steps. And in the Android app right now, it's literally steps. That's one option as you can walk around. I tried this this last week. It's not like you have to walk around the neighborhood. I was able to walk back and forth up the hallway a couple times and I was able to break the barrier. Although the steps are adjustable, right? Yeah. So all of our distraction barriers, with the exception of the physical unplugged tag, you can adjust how difficult they are. So one of them, for example, is to tap a series of random buttons that light up and you can change that from seven or 13 or 70 steps that you have to follow in order to get it open. So it's about how much time you want it to take to get into your addictive app and how strong you want that to be. And then you also can lock those schedules down by having someone set a password for you. So you can't change them Hmm. uh, if you're particularly prone to it. But for most people, just having it set up in the first place is enough of a deterrent. That's the equivalent of handing your keys to the bartender when you walk into the bar. (laughs) 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 Got to pick who you Uh, trust, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is fascinating. All right. I want to take one more break and we'll be right back with some bigger picture thoughts on these issues and how they're impacting society. You're listening to GeekWire and we'll be right back. This GeekWire podcast is sponsored in part by Yale University Press. Are you concerned about the rise of AI and how it will impact our society? Every day, artificial intelligence presents us with urgent ethical challenges. How do we harness this extraordinary technology to empower rather than oppress? Nigel Shadbolt and Roger Hampson have written a how-to for building ethical machine intelligence. Their new book, As If Human, Ethics and Artificial Intelligence, is now available wherever books are sold. Welcome back. It's Todd Bishop. You're listening to GeekWire, and our guest this week is Caroline Cadwell. She is the co-founder and CEO of Unplug. That's U-N-P-L-U-Q. It is a company that just graduated from the Techstars Seattle Accelerator Program, They offer an app and a premium version with a key tag that makes you more conscious about the use of your smartphone and the apps that you might be addicted to on that smartphone. Caroline, we've talked a little bit about the bigger picture issues, but I'm curious, where do you see all of this going? It feels like we're in a competition, almost a war. I think journalists use the word war too much, but it almost seems appropriate here between ourselves and our humanity and technology. Where do you see all of this going? Wow, I have so many things running through my head now. It's a big question that you're asking, and I am but one voice, one person in in commenting on this. So please take it in this context, what I'm going to say. It's my personal thoughts. I think we're at a point where we have a lot of crossroads as a society and as, as a world. There are a lot of decisions that we can be making that in some cases have to do with just being and existing that have become politicized and have become part of like a bigger culture clash. And I think that in terms of how screens play into that, I don't think it has to be tech versus people. And there are some companies that are really, besides Unplug, that are really trying to help people live in harmony with the tech that's in their lives. So, you know, in our case, we're trying to help people make conscious choices about how 
you interact with tech that's in your daily lives. And we're starting with mobile, but you can imagine as 10 years ago, the first thing we did every morning was very different than it is today, that in 10 more years, that will also still look different more. And so if we think about the bigger picture of how things are changing and this us versus them, which I also see reflected in a lot of other parts of our society as it's changed over the last five or six years, I think that what becomes really apparent is that we have a choice to stand up for ourselves and make choices that support our well-being. And industry will follow, is my assumption. I think that if people are saying enough is enough, we want tech to be responsible for paying for mental health care for our children in school districts, then tech will adjust and maybe they decide to provide unplug to those students as part of their solution to the harm that unfortunately the technology causes. But the you know, we, we can't be one-sided about this and not recognize that also access to that technology has fundamentally changed the pace at which we're able to innovate, the pace at which we're able to solve problems, the way that we're able to communicate and a lot of other really great things. And so I think it's important to stop thinking about things as us versus them or that we're on different battle sides, but instead just make more conscious choices about what's important to us and what we want our lives to look like. And I think a lot of people have the chance to reflect on that through the pandemic. And I hope that we're able to keep up that momentum of redefining what a good, healthy, meaningful life looks like. And I think that commerce and, and tech and, and all the other parts of that will, will follow when it becomes profitable to, to meet customers where they want to be met. When you look at the new era of artificial intelligence, these powerful new technologies that I've been talking to lots of people about lately, and we've all been experiencing in one form or another, do you see opportunity or threat in the context of what we're talking about right now? I definitely think there's opportunity, but I do find it terrifying that some very big, smart names in tech are calling for a pause to development while we figure out the ethics behind AI. And in fact, there have been commissions looking into the ethics of computing and AI for many, many years. They just haven't been top of mind or news. I do think there's danger there, but I think the bigger thing is opportunity. I had ChatGPT edit my press release to reduce it for content for our upcoming <laughs> iPhone release. It was great. It was lovely. And it can do so much more than that. But I think we have to think about, it requires a complete brain shift about what is work, how to delegate. And it puts, I think, an amazing opportunity actually for journalists because it can't write without new input. Who is going to discover the new input and put it in a format that AI can consume? Who is going to ask the new questions and, I, and, and discover the links between seemingly unrelated things? And I think that takes a je ne sais quoi that will be, I might regret saying this, but I think impossible. I think there are some things about humans that are not replicable. And those are the things where we'll have to shift how we work and what humans are responsible for in thinking about that. And it, I mean, I don't think I've reached the point where my mind is totally blown and adjusted yet. Every day, I kind of think of a new way I could use that technology. And I'm by no means involved in it on a daily basis, but it, it really requires a complete shift of mind to think about how it could be used because we have all these self, especially if you're older, you have all these self-limiting 
ideas that you don't realize are even there about like how you process things or what is possible. And you have to blow way past what is possible to think about how it could help. To me, this is all tied together by the concept of being more conscious of the situations we're in conceptually stepping outside of them and looking back in almost like that therapeutic approach of watching the thinker, you know, when you're in a situation that might be spinning out of control in your own mind, just stopping and trying to look objectively at the situation. And you're also through Unplug helping people do that for themselves in terms of their experience and their existence inside their phones. It's good to experience reality firsthand <laughs> if you can. <laughs> Maybe that should be your motto, because I think your motto, what is your motto? <laughs> Off your screen, into your life. You've had your Android version out for a while of Unplug, and now you're going to be coming out with your iPhone version. What's next for the company beyond that? And if you could have the impact that you would want to have on society, on people over the next two to three years, what would this look like? What's your ideal scenario as you look ahead? You know that feeling you get at the end of a really good disconnected day, like you went on a hike yep. and you feel really satisfied at the end of that. Seattle has so many beautiful hiking trails. I think a lot of people will be able to relate to this. So I want people to feel like that most of the time. I, I would love for people to have the opportunity to feel like that most of the time and, and still be able to provide for their families and do the work they need to do involving screens and enjoy being connected to people who are further away that they're connected to on TikTok. That's fine. But I would love for people to be able to make conscious choices rather than automatic ones about how they interact with whatever technologies in their lives. Right now, it's mobile phones and laptops. It could be very different five, 10 years from now. And Unplug wants to be there to help you make a conscious choice and just support your own goals and decision-making when it comes to tech. Caroline Cadwell from Unplug, thank you very much for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me, Todd. Thanks for listening to the GeekWire podcast. Kurt Milton produces and edits our show. Daniel L.K. Caldwell composed and performed our theme music. You can see the show notes for links to articles and other information about everything we discussed. I'm GeekWire co-founder Todd Bishop. We'll be back next week with a new episode of the GeekWire podcast. <laughs>